This podcast, Cutting Room Combos, may not be suitable for younger listeners. In addition to a language advisory, this episode brings up crimes against children and conversations of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a new episode of Cutting Room Convos. I'm Yasmin, and the Babadook is my sassy best friend. <laughs> I'm Jenny, and I'm glad I'm 5'3", because tall people kind of scare me. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's not horror-related at all, is it? I mean, it, it, it could be. Mm. Give it a try. So our movie that we are going to talk about this week is The Conjuring 2. Uh, came out in 2016, uh, directed once again by James Wan. And it focuses again on the Warrens, where they travel this time to the UK to help the Hodgson, Hodgson family with the possession of their daughter, Janet. From what I have seen, looks like the demon that was shown to be possessing the daughter was using another spirit as... Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like a disguise to me, but I think maybe it could have also been used as like, kind of like how Annabelle was used by a demon like to kind of do hauntings around the house and then try to possess an actual person. Hmm. Um, What I did like how the movie started was where they um, focused on one of the Warrens' cases at the Amityville house, which is very well known in the horror community. What I really liked was that in the first Conjuring movie, it ended with Lorraine talking about, oh, we have to go out to New York and check out this case in Long Island. And then, lo and behold, that's where the Amityville house is, as they show it in the second movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, Jenny, I know you pointed that out to me, so that yeah. was that was uh, eye-opening. <laughs> it starts off with, like, Amityville, New York, and I'm like, is that in Long Island? Because I know nothing about geography. <laughs> <laughs> no, same. I had to Google. <laughs> I was like, Long Island medium. She has long nails and big hair. That's all I know about Long Island. <laughs> oh, yes, and, and don't forget the drink. The Long Island. What is it? Drink. Uh, I think it's just like a iced tea. Yeah, it's okay, yeah, yeah. iced tea. Yeah. So I like that transition where it starts talking about the Amityville house, and that was really cool. Um, so I want to start talking about the technical aspects of the movie because there was just a lot of things that they um, they added mm-hmm. to this movie that really made it different in a way to the first one. Mm-hmm. So the music. For starters, I remember stating in the previous episode about the first movie, how the music started out in the opening credits, but really loud, blaring in your face. Yeah. But this time, it went back to the typical quiet and subtle start. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're kind of waiting, okay, so I don't know what's going to happen here, but all right. And when they show the the big title, The Conjuring 2. The same color and font, yeah? Yes, and the black background. And then they used that same chromatic theme from the first movie, what that was played in a low brass. Mm-hmm. But instead, it was replaced with low voices, like low Ooh. male voices. So it was a very different take on it, and yeah. it gave me chills. Can you... For those of us like me who don't know musical terms, oh. chromatic scale. Um, it sounds bas- fancy. <laughs> Look, I got a new chromatic scale. Ooh, girl, that's a nice chromatic scale. <laughs> oh my Check god, you out with your chromatic <laughs> scale. So basically, if you're moving chromatically, it's like one 
half step note to the next. So if I start okay. singing, uh, the the next step up, the half step would be, uh, so the way that the music was being sung was like, uh, so it was very chilling. Mm -hmm. it, I really loved that, especially when they decided to change the instrumental family, group, mm -hmm. I guess mm -hmm. you could say. And in a way, I feel like voices are a little creepier. Like everyone always talks about strings being like the forefront of <laughs> like horror movies and because strings can make those gross noises that your ears hate. Yes. But in a way, like, voices is just so eerie because it reminds me of in Hercules. <laughs> you know when he goes into Hades' um, thing? Oh, uh, his, like his lair or the underworld. Yeah, the underworld. He's, like, trying to get Meg from the, what, the fountain of dead people. I'm sorry. I don't know any of the technical terms. <laughs> no, that's okay. But, like, just, like, hearing all those voices, like, in circles and just wailing, too. Yeah. Like, it, it's just so unsettling because, like, it's... Reminiscent of like ghosts and death in a way. It really is. And it's it was a very eerie take compared to The Conjuring one. This one wasn't as much in your face. It was just more like, okay, you're going to go to this source of Yee. scariness. You're going to go and find this yourself. Mm. So I, I really liked how they, they took that. And then speaking of the strings that you mentioned, I loved how they used some of the uh, strings to correlate with uh, certain movements of the characters in certain scenes. Mm -hmm. And for an example, I couldn't help but notice as Lorraine was in her, um, I don't know what to call it, when she was doing that that, that vision of seeing oh, what yeah. it was like in the Amityville uh -huh. house and being in the uh, uh, point of view of the killer. Yeah. She sees one of the kids who was killed uh, look at her then suddenly just run down the stairs in the house. And as he's mm -hmm. running, the strings are descending. So I thought like that was just really cool. It was almost like yeah. kind of how old school cartoons were back in the day. Oh, they just, like, like Tom and Jerry. Yeah, they did like all these little sounds like to go along with the crazy movements. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool, kind of classic to me. And then at the same time, they included actual music as part of their scenes as well mm -hmm. and what i really liked for like most scary movies is that they would take a a children's song or any innocent sounding song and make it sound like creepy as hell mm -hmm. like if you hear like if you're happy and you know it clap your hands and then next thing you know rory <laughs> claps his hands like just imagine mm -hmm. that claps but, his hands cla <laughs> sorry um Another good example, and I probably Wait, should mention... I'm sorry, going back to, like, the the child songs. Yeah. But you're right, a lot of those lyrics, too, for some reason, were really fucked up. That's true. Like, like the Rockabye Baby. I was just On a treetop, when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And then down will come baby, cradle and all. I yeah, what the, what the heck? Kind of lifts you up, leaves you on a cliffhanger. Yeah, honestly. ring around the rosies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. I did not think about that one either. Oh, my God. <laughs> what else? Yeah, there's there's so many. Um, oh, yeah, uh, the, this old man. And it took me a while to um, to understand what uh, Bill Wilkins was whistling uh, when, what's her name, Janet was 
stuck to the ceiling when oh, yeah. she was trying to fall asleep. And he was slowly whistling, this old man, he played one, mm-hmm. he played. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, that's, that's so eerie. And at the same time, this old man, Bill Wilkins, I mean, hello, he's singing about himself. There you go. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And then they used Christmas carols in their creepy music too and i that was that was pretty daring i say because you know christmas music it it can be holy Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that they use that in darker settings it's it's mood changing okay well when did they use that though uh they used it when lorraine was getting into the office and was following valak Mm -hmm. And was trying to find out where she was. And all of a sudden, the, I think it was a record player. Yeah. It suddenly screeched and started uh, playing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, like blaring out loud. And then it happened again when the final, you know, possession scene of Mm -hmm. Janet was happening and Ed was trying to break into the house. He gets uh, blinded by that pressured air. Oh, yeah. From that furnace. And so he's walking around blinded, and and that's definitely something we're going to talk about later. But as he's walking around blinded, the TV that has been knocked down in the living room suddenly turns on and is playing the same song. Hark the herald Mm -hmm. angels sing. And showing a choir, and I'm just thinking, I never thought I would be creeped out hearing that song. I think there's a reason it's that song, too. Hmm. When Lorraine says, when Lorraine's talking about Valak... That Valak the demon took the form of something blasphemous to her religion. It, it's basically rubbing it in Lorraine's face. Like, haha, here's your religious song if you want it. I'm none because I'm religious. But you saw, oh. and maybe we'll talk about it later, when Valak was pulled back into hell. Oh. The disguise of the nun came off and it was the actual demon. Yes. So I think the fact that it was the Christmas music that's the birth of Christ that talks about, you know, these angels, glory to the newborn king. Like, mm-hmm. Valak is playing with Lorraine, playing with uh, Ed, and saying, like, here's all your religion. You still believe in religion? Oh, my God. What a bitch. <laughs> okay. I don't think that registered on the mic. Maybe you should say it louder. What a bitch. <laughs> okay. Ching. <laughs> Swear jar. There you go. I'm going to start one for you now. <laughs> it's like raising up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm um, fucking sorry. <laughs> oh my God. So that was uh, a main part of the music that really caught my attention. Another source of music that was used in the movie, and this wasn't scary at all, but I think it's worth mentioning. When Ed was playing the guitar and singing that Elvis song with the family, Mm -hmm. it was also used as a good uh, little montage moment when people were moving the equipment in the house and trying to find some proof of paranormal activity. But also it it was a good moment to have, you know, with some wholeheartedness and you know not scaring the shit out of you sort of thing going along with that um he picks up the guitar because there was no other music in the house and the record player was broken oh that's right and the record player was probably broken because i don't the wife the wife lady what's her name peggy peggy mentions that the husband when he left took all the records with him oh yeah like there was no music in that house at all 
That's kind of depressing. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. I think Ed playing the guitar was really nice. I, nice, I, of, I, nice of him for them. Yeah, it but was. also then that's where also I see the tension between Ed and Peggy that I'm trying to convince you is there. <laughs> oh God! Pretty sure those actors kissed. Oh God! I hope that's not the case. That'd be very complicated. <laughs> um. But like yeah, gaze into each other's eyes sometimes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay. Anyways, yeah. No. Um, and then in addition to Ed playing the guitar, he has a great singing voice. He really does. Like, oh my God. And I wonder if he's ever been on Broadway. Yes. He's he been, has. He's been in the uh, filmed version of Phantom of the Opera. Who did he play? Honestly, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, so I don't remember the characters' names. Mm. But he was. Uh, so you know how the the main girl had like those two love interests, the Phantom and then the other guy? He was the other guy. I never seen it. Cool. <laughs> she was in love with the fucking ghost? I Should we review that for our podcast? I honestly don't know. It seems very complicated. <laughs> he was very obsessed with her. I know that for a fact. He had like a model of her and everything. Oh, what? Yeah. Never mind. Like we'll talk shrine. about that another. We'll talk about that when we stop recording cuz what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting, but yeah, uh Patrick Wilson, he had a fantastic singing voice and I feel like that was a well-deserved little cameo moment for him so that was cool but then um in other terms of sound uh beyond music there were other little effects too like they used some bit of silence here and there too and then a a sudden casual sound that would actually scare the living crap out of you Mm -hmm. like when the youngest brother Billy he's walking back up to his bedroom from drinking uh, some water, and he checks on a noise, and then as he's about to walk, he stubs his toe against his uh, blaring little toy fire truck, and mm-hmm. then it suddenly mm-hmm. just makes a bunch of noise, the woo, and you're just thinking, oh crap. <laughs> but it was just a random silly scare, and I thought that was good. And that like happens in real life too, you know, you come down and get a glass of water and you step on something, like a squeaky toy from Paco, and you're just like, what the fuck? And it's just a squeaky toy, it's fine. Is that, okay, but the worst kind of toy that you step on is the one that goes, and not the one that goes, squeak, squeak, because like, those are so loud. What was that noise again? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about, test out the toys at Petco. Um, anyway. <laughs> you may call the boy moose go, hog. <laughs> oh That's a Princess Diaries reference for anybody out there. Any Disney fans, too. Yeah, you'll get it. <laughs> but um, other cool effects, too, were used um, in terms of sound for the movie. But um, one that really caught my attention was this character named Harry. He was one of the um, He the was the Drew. He was, he was the, the Drew. Drew in the UK. I think he was the assistant of the dude with the thinning hair. Yes, the very, very long hair. He was walking around with the, uh, what was it, like a boombox or something? It was the tape. He <laughs> <laughs> was how the tapes looked back then the, to record sound. You're right. The boombox. <laughs> wow, 90s kid, okay. <laughs> oh my god. Well, yeah, he was carrying something like slung over his shoulder and then holding a long microphone. And then he had headphones on. Yeah. And then what I liked was that the outside sound, the conversation between the Warrens and the family that you wanted to listen to was muffled out. Mm-hmm. And whatever Harry was listening to for, you know, the entities and whatnot, 
that's what we were hearing as if we were wearing the headphones. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. It was kind of like that first person view perspective, but for your ears. But for your ears. Yes. Yeah. So I thought that was awesome. So literally in my notes, I put the title for this next section, Camera Stuff, because I have no other intelligible word to put it. But like <laughs> visual fancy. effects. Visual effects, sure. Yes. We should ask Jossie. She took a film class. That is very true. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's visual effects. <laughs> um, yeah, they used many visual effects that I thought was really cool. And the first one that I noticed was when Lorraine was in the Amityville house and doing her, you know, first person view of the killer. Mm -hmm. At one point, she's upstairs and she leaves the first room to go into the next bedroom. And she happens to pass by a mirror as she's yeah. walking in the next room. And when you see her pass by the mirror, you see the reflection is the reflection of Ronald DeFeo. Yeah. The, the killer in, in the yeah. Amityville house. So I thought like, oh my God. So now we understand what it is that she is going through. You mm -hmm. know, what it is that, that she sees. Yeah. And I like that they try to put that visual aspect of what goes on through the real life Lorraine Warren's mind. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was a good understanding. I, I thought that was really cool. And then I always called this the corner of the eye camera view, like how I mentioned Insidious, when you follow a, a character around the house, yeah. and then the camera happens to kind of side pan a little bit to one area where there's an entity right there, but the main yeah. character doesn't see it. They, and sometimes neither do we because we're following the main character or like the focus of the camera. Right. And what also helps with that is that they don't give a sound effect yeah. to show like, it's oh, just hey. there. Right. Like, I thought that was well done. But in this movie, I mean, I'm glad that they went back to doing that sort of effect when they showed um, Bill Wilkins in the armchair in the corner as Billy was heading back to his bedroom upstairs. What I didn't like was that they did a little sound effect mm. as they moved the camera toward him just to kind of show you, hey, look over here. Yeah. But, like, I think it would have been a lot creepier if you found it yourself. Be like, did they do that on purpose? Yeah. Did they fucking do that on purpose? <laughs> like, that's how I reacted every single time. But, I mean, it was still good. I, I still liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention uh, Bill Wilkins' reflection from the TV as well. Once when, when D Janet was staying home from school and watching TV and going through the problems, hitting the TV and whatnot, and suddenly the t TV turns off and she looks in the reflection of the chair and sees Bill Wilkins right there like, Ugh. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my. And then the camera suddenly turns around as if she's turning her head. Yeah, and it really does. It's so cool. Right, and I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> the camera does that so much. I don't know if you're going to mention it. I don't think so. But, but you know what I mean? Like, you know when you double take? Yes. There's so many double takes in this movie. There is. Like, let me there? walk into the movie. Wait, I think I heard something. Let me go back and look at it. Uh, the kid with the fire truck, he's like, um, okay, I'm pretty sure there's something in that teepee. Let me check. Mm. Nah, it's fine. But what if? <laughs> nah, it's fine. Okay, there probably is. I'm just going to go to bed. You know what I mean? Like it, like the double takes that they did, we got to experience too. And that's super like relatable. Mm -hmm. How like you think you see something and you just got to make sure that you didn't. Yeah. So you look again. 
that that is that was a great way of putting the viewer in the character's mm -hmm. shoes mm -hmm. like even if they didn't want to be there you know yeah. i thought that was well done that's when i close my eyes <laughs> i'll be honest i sometimes oh. did too the first time it, um another one was um in the Amityville house, when Lorraine is downstairs, she looks in the mirror, looks behind her, looks in the mirror, looks behind her. Oh. How many times did that fucking happen before something actually happened? That is true. That was a lot of camera movement, but at least it didn't make you dizzy. Yeah. It, would, it just... And it's because waiting. it moved with her still center focus. Yeah. Oh my god, I cannot believe I forgot about mentioning that one, because that one is iconic. It's in the preview of the movie. It's scary. Yeah, okay, you go. <laughs> Um, and another, well, I don't know if this is a visual effect, but Jenny, you pointed this out to me after I have seen this movie already a few times, and this was my first time seeing about, I call the Valak Easter oh, eggs. Yeah. When the whole time Lorraine was like, maybe we know this name, maybe we know who it is, yeah. and I can't figure it out, but... You pointed out to me that her name was spelled out numerous times throughout their house. Mm -hmm. I was like... But only in their house. Only in their house. Yeah, you're right. Like, 33 minutes into the film, when Ed and Lorraine were talking at their breakfast table... That's um, after he paints Valak. He's like, oh, this came to me in a dream and I just had to put it on paper. Right, yeah. And behind both Ed and Lorraine, there are, like, I'm guessing, like, sort of arts and crafts little things on yeah. the windows? Yeah, okay, the one on the window behind, when it's facing Ed, uh -huh. the one on the window looks like crafts that um, their daughter could have done. What's their daughter's name? Judy. That Judy could have done, because it's like popsicle sticks and felt, and yeah. it's definitely the word Valak. But mm. when it goes to Lorraine's view, it's like, there's like this heart, and it says made with love, but for some reason the V is red instead of black like the rest of the letters. Of course it is. So when the V was red, I noticed that on the little panel underneath, it just said Alec. Oh. And I was like, Valak, it's literally right there next to us. It, it's there so much in that scene. And it just, <laughs> you know, them and then that. And it's because it's like the same thing with the corner of the eye. Like, it's not meant to be seen at first. Yeah. I, I could not believe I had not seen it in the number of times that I've seen this movie. But same goes for 10 minutes after that scene. Mm -hmm. When the mom is, or sorry, Lorraine was with her Bible, and Judy was working on, I'm guessing, making bracelets making or something. making, like, little bead bracelets. Yeah, and you can see on the bookshelves in the background, the, the letters to the name were set mm -hmm. up there, mm -hmm. too. And then the up close on the beads that Judy was working on, you could see some spelled out as Valak. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, what the hell? It's right in front of their faces. Yeah. <laughs> you not see it. And ours, but we didn't <laughs> see it the first time, too. But the, right? But the fact that, like... It was the arts and crafts and the decor and his painting. I feel like Valak had been messing with them so much, like, in their subconscious mind. I, Especially Judy, because, like, the crafts that she was making. What kind of kid just writes the word Valak on a bracelet? Like, you know, that's true. And I never thought of it that way, but now that you bring it up, I can't help but wonder if, ah, oh, man, if Valak was maybe behind torture towards Judy like from the first conjuring to the second and then at this point oh you're right because you know that's the shadow that happened behind Judy when she got up and went to the hallway oh yeah mm -hmm. that's right and, and Judy saw with her own eyes mom who's that did she though because the mom was asleep in the couch oh 
That's that that confused me, and I wanted to ask you about it. The fact that the mom was actually dozing off in the couch with her Bible in her hand when this all happened. That's true. So did Judy or did Judy in her subconscious mind along with her mom, Lorraine? Mm. I think both of them could have subconsciously have seen her. It's possible. Like you said, Mm -hmm. when Ed also had that dream and saw her face, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking she must have somehow gotten into the back of all their minds. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe... Maybe it was in Lorraine's, like, dream or whatever, but maybe somehow Judy still happened to see it, I guess. Or yeah. had seen it at some point before. Yeah, that was... Confusing. But that also really confusing. cool yeah. with, the, with the Easter eggs. Corner of the eye, but for Valak's name that we <laughs> knew the whole time. Right, yeah. No, that was awesome. And then they went back also to the first-person view of the mm-hmm. cameras, and I always loved that so much. Such as when Janet was getting up in the middle of the night to, what was it, the, the three thumps on the, on the door, the power oh, yeah. on the door. Again, comes in threes. And when she gets up, opens the door, sees nothing. And I love this. She looks around the corner mm-hmm. of that hallway and it shows the first person view. You're looking around. across the hallway. Mm-hmm. Then she gets the flashlight, turns on the flashlight. You have the flashlight. You're looking down the hallway with it. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, you're putting us there. Ugh. Does he make video games? I I don't know. He probably should. <laughs> That's really cool. It is. That's pretty it's awesome. VR. Imagine watching The Conjuring in VR. Oh, no. I could not. Nope. <laughs> VR is where I draw the line. Um, and then what I really thought was interesting is that the first person view before, it was always from the view of like the the victim or you know the the scared person the main character Mm -hmm. but they also took the perspective of bill wilkins Mm -hmm. the old man when he was walking upstairs and walking into janet's bedroom and towards her bed oh yeah like you suddenly see the camera slowly going towards janet's bed as she's shivering under the covers yeah and i'm just thinking oh my god like (laughs) what she's a good actress and also, oh. I believe you on that part. My eyes were closed the whole time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, it was really cool that you were, like, in the villain's eyes instead of the victim. But we can argue that he's also a victim, and we'll talk about that later. That is very true. Um, and then another point of view is, of course, when Ed was blinded from the, um, that hot air. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was creepy, yeah. Oh, and along with muffled sound, too. So whenever you see suddenly the camera's all blurry looking, you it sounds like you have cotton in your ears. Mm-hmm. Like low thumbs for footsteps and that um, distant choir sound from the TV. Mm-hmm. It you really puts you in that unknown and it makes you so scared. I... I love it. Did that part also have his breathing? For some reason, my brain is putting his breathing in there. You know, like I, it's it's blurry, it's muffled, and I don't know why my brain thinks he was breathing too. It might be the case. I don't doubt it. I just can't remember if it was actually there. Mm-hmm. But that was really cool. And then this was a little small detail that I really liked, but I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, the rotation of the camera around Ed when he walks into 
what was Janet's bedroom Mm -hmm. that is now decorated with crosses all around the room. And as he walks in and the camera goes around him as he's turning himself around looking, you hear like this angelic choir, like singing like in a, as you look at the crosses, it's very symbolic, I say. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And then, again, they also used the little change of camera focus, mm-hmm. like they did in the first Conjuring. Like that, um, I, I don't know what it's officially called, but I called it the water test scene when Janet was, you know, taking Oh, yeah, a, to prove that she wasn't doing ventriloquism. Right, yeah, by keeping water in her mouth. And so when Ed is saying, oh, let's all turn ourselves around so that way you're not shy to talk Mm -hmm, to us, mm -hmm. whatever. And the camera focuses on Ed. Yeah. And he's facing us, but still talking to Bill Wilkins the whole time. And you see Janet, like, in a blurred vision, sitting in the chair. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you can't even tell, but while Bill Wilkins is talking, apparently, you see sometimes the old man pop out like and then all of a sudden when he goes away you see the old man suddenly just like shift back into janet right kind of well janet's figure i guess yeah but it's still blurry on them because the camera's still focused on ed which like it forces us to like when i look at you currently everything around you is blurry because my eyes are focused on you so in Ah. doing that in the movie he's basically focusing our eyes for us Right, yeah. That's insane. And it also kind of gives the same impression that Bathsheba covered in a sheet mm-hmm. did in hiding how Bill Wilkins really looks. Yeah, and I, can, kinda, I can see what you mean. Yeah, saving that scary look for later at a more intense scene. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was really cool. I, in fact, that is probably one of my most favorite scenes in the movie, I'd say. One last thing I thought this was interesting for the both of us to point out. Whenever there was a scary moment happening at night, there was always one dark corner mm-hmm. that people seemed to focus on. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like how in the first Conjuring, when one of the daughters was pointing at the dark corner of her bedroom. Oh, yeah. You don't see anything, but with the way that the character is staring there... You believe that there is something there. You yeah, even, definitely. You even almost see it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even imagine. And it's like that like kind of um, dark corner of the room where the TV can't even make that blackest black. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just turns into, like, fuzz. Oh, yes, for sure. And then almost, almost each time that someone looked in a dark corner, like, there was nothing there. There was nothing to be afraid of. But then... When Janet somehow ended up in that locked room with all the crosses, mm-hmm. and she sees all the crosses slowly turning upside down, looking mm-hmm. around the entire room. Again, that camera rotation slowly is yeah. happening. And then it just stops dead into the corner of the room, the dark corner. Then all of a sudden, Bill just emerges. This yeah. is my house. And like, you still don't expect something there, but it happens. It happens mm-hmm. just like that. And I think that was really cool. And then later on in the very last intense moment of the scene near the end of the movie, when um, 
there's another dark corner and Ed is holding on to Janet outside of the window for dear life. Yeah, the curtain rod, or <laughs> curtain rings breaking, yeah. Right, yeah. And, of course, Valak, the, the nun, in that form, fits perfectly in that corner. You see her there just staring at you. And then once, when literally all hell is breaking loose and Lorraine is against <laughs> the wall. <laughs> Then when Lorraine is doing that, you know, I condemn you back to hell. Yeah. And then, like you said, when the nun uh, disguise or whatever was yeah. disintegrating, you see, like, that shadowy version of the actual demon. Yeah. But it's only for a few seconds. Like, you almost want to see more of how it actually looked. You want to yeah. see the truest form. And then just as you're about to see more of it, you see... The demon actually holding on for dear life to the corner that it's like disappearing into, but yeah. Yeah, like a portal. Like, um, yes. Do you remember Chalk Zone? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. How could I forget Chalk Zone? Just like, <laughs> bloop. <gasps> Did Rick and Morty copy Chalk Zone? No. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I totally. That was such a good scene. Like, that corner in that room specifically had, has always been dark. Yeah. Like, I think it was only lit up once when the bigger sister turned on the light or something. Yes. Oh, and that's when you saw the poster of, like... Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know even know who that. who that is. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Elvis. <laughs> um, and then I just got to say, also, the actress who played Valak, whenever she did those screams, or even when she, like, slowly turned around and, like, was... Facing her head down but looking at you with this creepy smile. Can you smile? stop doing that at me, please? I'm sorry. It's creepy. <laughs> like, that. That scared me more than anything else that nun did. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god, this actress is fantastic. And I made a Princess Diaries reference earlier. Oh, you're right. She was in the Princess Diaries. Yes, she was. She was, she was in the... In the... Well, she was in the first and the second. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. It was that, that couple who wanted to have the royalty. And her face on a postage stamp. <laughs> no, it wasn't. no, it was when the princess was uh, walking down the stairs at a party, and the short uh, old guy, the husband or whatever, is like, you are much more beautiful. And then she turns around and, well, she shows her face. Oh, that's the first time, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, man, stepping up... This is her best role yet. So I found some more little common themes. I'll admit it was a bit harder to find in this movie because so many newer technical elements were being used that that's what I was paying attention to the most. But of course, a Ouija board was used. Mm -hmm. And usually you would expect some form of communication to happen from the other side right away. But in the movie, it didn't. Um, apparently in real life, um, I cannot remember the site, but the real life Janet Hodgson apparently stated that spiritual activity was immediately happening after her and her sister had used the Ouija board. Hmm. But focusing on the film, no immediate response. It was rather delayed. Um, yeah, although it was like a homemade one on a life cereal box. That is true. So I'm thinking, like, did it have anything to do with this whole situation at all? 
because it was a it was a really flimsy board. Yeah, but they did focus on it quite a bit when she had it on her bed and then put it under her bed. Like they focused on that. Yeah, that's true. And that is when the activity started. Yeah, I now I couldn't help but wonder when the mother found the board and she was you know pissed. What I couldn't tell was she pissed about the fact that they used a board and all of a sudden these actual weird things were happening out of, out of their control? Or was she mad that they were using a board and playing tricks on each other and scaring the wits out of her? I think that's what it, I think that's what it was, the second one, because she like kind of, they scream in the middle of the night, she gets up from her sleep. I'd be pissed too, I'd be like, what the heck are you guys doing? I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. I'm a single mother with three kids. I can use a little compassion. That one said the sloth from Ice Age. <laughs> Jenny with impressions, everyone. <laughs> I'm here every Friday. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. I, I thought I needed to settle that one because I, I couldn't tell for a minute. Because nothing had happened to her until after she ripped it up. <gasps> maybe oh. the Ouija board was. Maybe like it was. Okay. So you're saying in real life, it's the, like when the activity started in the actual story, right? Mm-hmm. But in this movie they they focus on it but they don't like actually do anything about it but Mm. that's when the activity starts is when she brings it into her house Mm. and then the mom notices like strong activity when she rips it up that's when the dresser moves right oh shuts the door and everything yeah so maybe i don't know i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt (laughs) no no it's I, i can see that but then also I thought what was worth mentioning was that usually, I, and this is probably in any movie, no matter what genre, when a kid's trying to tell their parents something, that something weird is happening, look, shows the parent nothing's happening. Oh, you're yeah. just imagining it, whatever. And then yeah. once the parent's gone, the weird stuff happens again with yeah. the kids. Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I liked in this movie was that once when... The mom was pissed off, was like, go to bed, all of you. And all of a sudden, the dresser just shoots right across the room. Mm -hmm. The mom is just, like, petrified. Yeah. She's like, okay, there's some shit going on. Let's get the fuck out. (laughs) So, that was cool. Um, Another little common theme that I have found is that there's usually some doubts about paranormal activity among authority figures. Yeah. So, like, if a cop visits, like, oh... There's nothing going on in this house. You're fine. We don't believe you. You're okay. Yeah. Um, but in this case, the police actually go in the house and they actually witness mm-hmm. some unexplained rumbles and then a chair moving across the room and back to the table. And then next scene, police, well, sorry, we can't do anything about that, you know. <laughs> we'll <follow> the report. <laughs> <laughs> While rushing out of the house. But what's at least good was that one of the cops was like, oh, well, you know, there's a friend of mine who's a priest in the church. I can have him come over and yeah. help you out. So at least they offered some sort of help for mm-hmm. them. So that was nice. Uh, the police weren't made out to be American. I was going to say useless, but... I mean, what's the <laughs> difference? Fuck, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's be and then, And then another theme is that... Usually with scary movies, the scare comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you're expecting it. You're just like, oh, God, the scare is going to happen. 
I know what's going to happen here. But it still scares you anyway. Yeah. So, like, and the one big thing that stuck to me was when Lorraine was in that dream. I'm guessing it was a dream or a vision. And when she followed the nun into the office. Mm-hmm. And then when she sees that other painting that Ed did, by the way, of the parent house with the tree, um, the painting was shaking. And then the nun's shadow emerges from behind it and yeah. just slowly walks along the wall, around the room, until it reaches the painting and faces it and drop of the vase, boom. And, it's, and you're just waiting. You're just like, something is going to happen here. Then all of a sudden, from behind the sides of the picture frame, mm-hmm. the nun's hands are emerging. Oh, yeah, encasing, the fingers. Yeah. Yes, encasing around the frame, grabbing it. And the range is standing there breathing. You're like, something's going to happen. And then, boom, she yeah. just like rushes out from the wall. <laughs> it's like that anticipation. It just builds. Yeah, and it still scares the living heck out of you. Yeah, until you pee yourself. (laughs) It's the same, I feel like it's the same thing with the room with the crosses when it's like following all the crosses turning around. It's literally like moving across the room until it gets to that corner. Oh, yeah. Same with the shadow moving across the room until it gets to that picture frame. That is so true. Both of the times it was Valak, right? Uh, well. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, technically, yes. But um, it was a nice built of suspense yeah built built yes build build nice build of suspense nice suspenseful build that's better (laughs) (laughs) and then another theme that i always well not always have noticed is that animals would be used in scary movies to warn humans of danger Mm -hmm. and more often times than not the animal doesn't survive. Mm. Uh, rest in peace, Sadie. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Who can <laughs> <with the> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> can we not? Um, so in this case, the neighbor's dog was um, presented in this movie. But I was confused here Baron. as well. Baron. That was the dog's name. Baron was the dog's name cute little Rottweiler but okay so when little Billy was waking up when they were spending the night in the neighbor's house mm-hmm. and here's the the bell jingle mm-hmm. that Baron usually uses to signal hey I gotta go pee so he hears it and he's like oh okay you know I'll see if I can let him outside but no one's by the bell so then he looks down the hallway and he sees what looks like Baron mm-hmm. just sitting at like an open back door, or no, I don't think it was open yet. Yeah. Um, just giving a low growl, just looking out there. Mm-hmm. And so Billy walks up to him, and you see the view of the dog, and then the boy looking at him, and then all of a sudden the dog is contorting and whatnot and turning into the crooked man. Mm-hmm. So I can't help but wonder, what the hell happened to the dog? Is is the dog okay? Is it alive? What, was it just used? I would like to think. Here's my theory. The dog was probably in a different room. Yeah. And the shadow was there. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> Whatever. The point is, 
if you hear a strange noise outside, don't open the fucking door, because that's when spirits get in. And what did Billy do? He, he opened, opened the, the door, door, big and wide, you know, tall enough for a fucking crooked man to come in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I thought that was a very different use of the animal in the film. But that was cool. Mm. So, next, I want to focus a little bit on Bill Wilkins. Uh, because, well... It, it took me a while to try to figure this character out and try to find a theory for it. So we'll go over him now. So in the movie, Bill Wilkins was um, this spirit of the old man who used to live in the Hodgson house. The spirit who happened to be used by Valak. Mm -hmm. So he, he gave the impression that he was the demon, quote unquote, trying to possess Janet, but it was actually... Valak. So it was kind of like a spiritual possession in a way. Or yeah. It was kind of weird. But I couldn't help but wonder if Bill happened to be possessed in his life, you know, before he died. So Bill had said, apparently, that he died by going blind and he had an emerage, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Now, in real life, for Bill Wilkins, I couldn't find much public information on him. The only thing that I found was from EnfieldHaunting.com, was that apparently he has been titled as like a drunkard or a child molester, but I couldn't find anything else beyond that. He did, he did kind of hint at it when he said like, I'm not a heaven man. Okay. Yeah. When Ed, I think Ed was asking him questions, right? He's like, don't you want to go to heaven? He's like, I'm not a heaven man. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that's what he could have been talking about. Yeah, that's a good point. I couldn't help but think that if, if he was possessed, like, you know, how if someone's possessed, they want to cause chaos and probably commit God knows what crimes and including what he has been titled. So I I don't know. That's what I was thinking. And then within the film, when Bill got sick and, you know, his health was deteriorating, the demon ended up needing a new body once he died. So then, hello, Janet came in. Mm. There you go. Um, I also couldn't help but notice that he had some similar uh, vibes to Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. in terms of being territorial when he kept going, this is my house, my house, yeah. get out. It was kind of like how Bathsheba was uh, cursing anyone who would take her land. I mean, mm -hmm. that's pretty territorial if you ask me. And not to mention possible crimes against children that they both have done either human life or afterlife. Mm -hmm. Any sort of harassment, I think. And... This was something worth mentioning. This was a more cinematic detail. But remember when Bathsheba was in that sheet and Ed was like, I command you to reveal yourself. And the sheet tore over the eye. Yeah, for just that little sliver of her face. Yeah, and the camera angle, it showed her kind of looking up, eyes wide, mouth dropped. Mm -hmm. It kind of had that same view or that same reveal for Bill Wilkins when Janet ended up in the locked 
room with the cro crosses and suddenly Bill Wilkins came after her. The mom woke up, she's trying to open the door because of the chains around it, she could only have a crevice open. Mm -hmm. And so when she sees the daughter suddenly have a, a hand over her mouth, mm -hmm. then no music, I have to mention it, the mother gasps, then suddenly you look at the crevice again and you see Bill Wilkins in kind of that same angle as Bathsheba, looking up, yeah. eyes open, mouth dropped. I didn't even realize that connection. Right, I, I thought it was a little detail worth mentioning because cause that was like, it, it felt like that final reveal of him in his yeah. scariest form. So. Yeah, I think it takes us back to the fact that people who people can imagine things scarier than what we can create on TV sometimes. Oh, yeah. And, like, the fact that it only gives us a little bit makes our brains fill in the rest. Yes. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Also, it's kind of weird that it was it was Valak using a nun, using Bill, using Janet. Right, yeah. It torments was, everything, yeah. Like, possess... Exception. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and again, we mentioned just about Bill Wilkins now. The nun, I don't think it's worth mentioning yet because she, it has a movie of its own already. Okay. And eventually, we're going to watch the movie and talk about it. So have you seen it? I have not. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it'll be my first time. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm because excited. Because I, I like when you watch movies first because then you're like, Jenny, something's going to happen here and I'm prepared. <laughs> you, she did that for me, guys. She did that for me for this entire movie because The Conjuring 2 is the one that I've seen the least out of all The Conjuring movies. Oh. And that's including the third one that just came out. Oh, my God. That's I've seen right. that one more than I have The Conjuring 2. You have. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. But we will get on to The Crooked Man because... The Crooked Man will get a movie of its own, and I got some ideas in mind about him. Now, The Crooked Man was, honestly, I had really just, like, low expectations. I had no idea that there was going to be a movie about him. It's, like, I guess to be dated. Yeah. But because of how it looked, it kind of gave, like, a children's view of a scary entity yeah an entity and it kind of puts you in a child's uh point of view mm -hmm. um i didn't find the crooked man to be so scary to me because i initially thought that it was all cgi yeah it it felt like it and that's why i was also able to watch it right because yeah. he's just so smooth so so smooth <laughs> yes <laughs> like uh Oh, no, I'm making too many references in this one. Oh, no. The Polar Express. Stop. No. <laughs> Those kids are smooth. <laughs> they are smooth. And, I mean... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> So, it turns out CGI was not used for the Crooked Man at all. And it was confirmed by James Wan via Twitter. Apparently, there was this creature performer... I haven't exactly looked up what a creature performer is, but he goes by the name of Javier Bo Bote? Bo Botet? Javier Butted. Oh my god. <laughs> I am very sorry for mispronouncing your name, but it was this creature performer who mm -hmm. was filmed in slow motion walking backwards, and then apparently the, the video of that was sped up mm -hmm. in the editing, and then it was reversed. 
So it kind of gave like that that crooked. So he walk was. Look. So the camera was recording the creature performer walking away, basically slowly, and then they reverse it so he's walking towards you faster. I think so. Yes. Weird, but also creature performer. It makes me think of um. I don't remember which horror movie it is. The one that walks like crooked, too. Like a contortionist. She's a girl. She has long hair. Oh, The Grudge? Is it The Grudge? Um, yeah. Whatever, yeah. But like, <laughs> I feel like that's what I would classify as a creature performer. One who can contort their bodies in ways that are a little creepier than most humans can do. I think of a circus. <laughs> oh, yeah? I think of the circus. At least we're not thinking performer. of furries. I'm uh, a creature performer. Oh, meow. God. No. <laughs> oh, God. But, um, yeah, so that information I found on bloodydisgusting.com. So that was definitely worth a read. I'm so glad to have learned that it was not CGI at all. Yeah. And it gave me a different perspective on the crooked man. It made me give him more of a fair chance. Yeah, same, because I was like, that's cheap to just put a CGI monster into like a really good movie but knowing that it's not cgi it shows that they put an actual effort into this Mm -hmm, entity mm -hmm. that was really cool and then of course the crooked man actually was based on a children's nursery rhyme it wasn't just like a made-up song that the kids were singing from that little music box thing so yeah crooked man the children's nursery rhyme its origin Apparently, it was, and this is from rhymes.org.uk. This is the source that I found it from. It was apparently based on this animosity, this sort of war, I guess, between England and Scotland. And the crooked man that they talk about is this Scottish general named Sir Alexander Leslie. And he Leslie, that there's a girl's name. That's from Holes. <laughs> it ain't. Um, so this man, he apparently signed a covenant that would secure religious and political freedom for Scotland. And, um, in the end of the little rhyme where they said they all lived together in a little crooked house, um, that basically meant that England and Scotland finally came to some sort of agreement. Mm. I didn't go too far into looking up the history of this because again we're, we're just talking about the movie but I feel like giving a little bit of insight to this could help me with talking about my next little theory here about the crooked man because initially I had no idea what the crooked man's movie could be about yeah. I had no idea. I didn't even know they were making a movie yeah I mean or is it like just like a rumor of it could be. I just saw a TBD. Oh. But I'd like to think that if there were to be a movie taking place, I thought about how The Nun was originated, mm-hmm. uh, where the movie took place in Romania, and then how Annabelle originated. Honestly, I don't remember where exactly Annabelle originated, but they showed a time and old setting back then mm-hmm. to how the doll was created. So I couldn't help but think when Ed Warren brought home that Crooked Man music box Mm -hmm. to his home and and put it next to the music box from the first Conjuring, which I thought was cool, by the way. I couldn't help but think that since 
that must be a very important token, sort of like for spirits, that that's kind of cursed. So I'm thinking that that was a very old item that was a part of the house that maybe the Hodgson kids found. Like, mm-hmm. it was never actually theirs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you think it's going to be more like an origin movie? Yes. I think so. Like, I feel like it could take place when uh, Sir Alexander Leslie uh, signed that covenant, which was around uh, the 1630s, 1640s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when the covenant took place, those wars, and soldiers were marching on to a song about the covenants and the rhyme based off of it i feel that the music box was made at at some point mm-hmm. maybe let me show how that works out and how it gets to bill wilkinson's house and since bill wilkins i'm i think it's safe to say bill wilkins was from the england side rather than scotland based off his accent i don't know but that maybe somehow the music box stayed in that house for so long it cursed bill and it was cursing the hodgson family not to mention that peggy died in the same position as bill peggy uh janet's mom i thought janet's the one that died in the no oh really it was wrong no it was peggy um and the parallels between Peggy and Bill, they both at least had one kid. Bill, um, apparently, according to, I believe it was the EnfieldHaunting.com website, Bill Wilkinson's son had actually, in, in real life, uh, admitted to someone that the voice on the tapes that were heard for the, ex, uh, the possession of the real life Janet was actually his father. Oh, weird. Yeah, he, he basically said, yeah, the voice on that tape is my father. That's creepy. Right. So I'm thinking if the, par- the parents seem to be getting cursed in that house or in that chair mm-hmm. because they both, both Peggy and Bill faced the same fate. So, yeah, even like behind that chair, like the walls look like they were rotting. Oh, yeah, that's true. It was gross. It was a gross chair with a gross... Why did they keep that chair? That, that is just... Ugh, God, no. And the yeah. fact that, like, in real life that happened to Peggy, like, that... If there was anything in that movie that scared me the most, it was that. Just reading that and then looking at the chair, I just thought, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Real life. Scary. Anyway... So that's my take on the Crooked Man and what it could do mm-hmm. for, you know, the origin. And I mean, yeah, I guess that, that's all I could think of for how it can be placed within the Conjuring universe even further. Um, but at least I can kind of see now that he could play more of a role or be more well-known. Like, yeah. like Annabelle level. <laughs> I don't remember exactly the whole nursery rhyme that they were singing. Oh. But um, when Bill is talking about the crooked man, I think he, I think it's Bill. Mm-hmm. He's saying like that he murdered his daughter and kids or whatever. 
That's right. Yeah, he, it had nothing to do with the nursery rhyme. He's like, this is what the crooked man actually did, kind of thing. And it's like really, really quick. You know, we don't focus on it at all. But if it does, if it's not an origin story, I feel like it could just be like a haunted toy story. Yeah. Where like that little, you know, running music box thing has been passed around and ended up in Billy's hands. That's true. Yeah. So like we can, instead of being an origin story, be like just that haunted toy story. Yeah. I don't know. It's another idea that I could throw out there. <laughs> no, I agree 100%. But, I mean, if they do, do this movie and they do it soon, I, I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, I wonder if they'll use the same creature guy, creature performer. Yeah, right? That'd be pretty interesting. Although I admit that, at least in The Conjuring 2, when the, the only scare that I had from him was when Ed was looking inside the tent and looking at oh, yeah. the music box... Suddenly, the, the camera and him look up, boom, his face is yeah, right there. that was scary. <laughs> I still hardly remember what it looks like because I was so scared. <laughs> I don't know why my brain's like, top hat. Top hat? Yes. I have a question. Yes. You talked about earlier, way back, way, way back in the beginning of the <laughs> we talked about how the police um, experienced it, too. I don't know where it is. Oh, the police oh. witness. Okay. Yeah. That they witnessed the chair moving across the room and the rumbles in the house, and they were kind of freaked out about it. Yeah. But there is a figure of kind of authority that doesn't believe any of it in this movie. Oh. Do you have any thoughts on, on this character whose accent I can't pinpoint at all? I could not, and it's weird because the first time I saw the movie, I thought American. I thought she was a Mayawakin. But he was... <laughs> That's a vine. <laughs> that is a vine. Um, sorry, what was your question again? What do you think about her? Like, what what is your take on... Because I feel like this is a common theme, too, where, like, there's always this, like, one psychologist who is super logical and will explain away everything. Kind of like the police tried to when they're like, there must be some mice in the walls. She's like, yeah. that's a fucking big-ass mouse. That's not what she said. You know, people like that can study all they want, Everything that the human mind can know, everything that can be explained, but there's always something that's never fully explained. Yeah. And just because it's never fully explained doesn't mean that it should be dismissed or be counted as imaginary or anything like that. Yeah, and I thought it was like really interesting that, that Valak, or I guess Bill, I don't know who, oh. was smart enough to, to be like... to manipulate Janet into saying like I'll kill all your family if you don't get rid of these people so fake oh. it so like that that spirit that entity was smart enough to play the logic side of these people of these humans to just make threats yeah it was that was very powerful but yeah no that that's what I think you know you gotta keep an open mind yeah that's all I gotta say because if there's something that you don't know about you cannot dismiss it so, I mean, overall, with The Conjuring 2, it wasn't nearly as scary as the first one. The first one, let me tell you, like, I almost had to get pulled out of the theater. Like, oh, I, was, no. I was that scared the first time I saw it. Conjuring 2, you know, it was still scary. Yeah. But, like, I wasn't, like, hiding behind my face. Or, hiding behind my face. <laughs> hiding behind my face. Hiding behind my, my, face. Face. <laughs> hiding behind my I hands. I hide behind my face. <laughs> 
What are we, the cockroach dude from Men in Black? Oh, God. Is that no. better? <laughs> That's Men in Black. Oh, my God. No, hi hiding my face behind my hands. But, I mean, what they at least did, I think, was a huge effort, was um, using the many different effects with the camera and the sound. So, you know, in a way, James Wan took it to a next level. Mm-hmm. But it did not surpass the original when it came to the, the storyline and, and the characters. So that's what I think. I just Googled <laughs> the Conjuring drinking game. You did not. There is such a thing. Why didn't we play this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I they only have it for the Conjuring one. Drink every time someone claps, every time someone giggles, every time a clock stops. Oh, man. Dang, we'd be effed up. They tried to send us to the hospital, man. <laughs> we gotta get our own stomach pumped. We should Shit. start making drinking games and, like, put them up on our <laughs> website. Do we have a website? Do Not really. Well, we have an Instagram and a Twitter. And a Facebook. <laughs> and we a could Facebook. do Facebook Live on it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. No, that, that would be pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Did you have any takeaways from The Conjuring 2 compared to the first, at least, or? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have anything to say about it. It's scarier to me than the first one, but that's because I've seen the first one so many times. Ah. So, like, I know everything that happens now. Oh, and the okay. second one I haven't seen as often. I'm pretty sure I saw it, like, twice, maybe. Yeah, maybe. at least. At and like, twice. and this third time, I guess, like, I, I still got scared. I still covered my face. And eventually I won't, just like I don't with the Conjuring one. Yeah. But, and then we'll make it a drinking game. It's just, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the Conjuring 2 was a more eerie take, but it was still enjoyable. Wait, can I actually add a topic? Uh, yeah. Well, kind of a topic. Yeah. Um, I know we mentioned that it came out, like, around this. How did I forget? And there were so... I kept saying that happened in It. That happened in It. Oh, yeah. The 2017 one. Those, yeah, sorry. One. The 2017 one. I haven't yeah. seen the other one. The one... The first and foremost one that I found parallels was definitely the water in the basement. Yeah, that wasn't the first one for me. And I'm surprised. Like, that was a red flag. Yeah, that it, it was really reminiscent of it when I don't remember any of the characters' names right now. Uh, Georgie? Uh, no, the, the brother. Oh, Bill. Oh, no, Bill! <laughs> Another parallel! That's what I How noticed. How many people are named Bill? Uh, Billy's named Bill. Bill? <laughs> He's in the other room. Yeah. Yes, they both had a kid named Stuttering Bill. Or, yeah. well, they both stuttered. Their names were Bill. <laughs> But <laughs> my name is Stuttering Bill. <laughs> no, yeah, they both had bills that stuttered. They both had the water in the basement where creepy things happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. What else did I mention? Dang, I wish I would have written it down because there was more than that. <laughs> there was. I mean, and I guess the Crooked Man kind of gave some sort of Pennywise vibes to... Oh, yeah, with the shape-shifting of the dog to the Crooked Man back to Janet. Right. And that's like... Like, Pennywise's thing. Yes. Like, he shifts into whatever you fear. Yeah, and I guess, like, Pennywise seemed to be, like, the main form, the universal form for all of them. Yeah. 
but yeah there were many parallels between those and i can't help but think and i should have uh looked up the dates first because okay so it part one was from 2017 conjuring 2 was 2016 so that preceded the first it but the original it which happened to be like i think an original tv series mm -hmm. that i believe was in 1990 and it was based off of a book written by stephen king yeah but the events from the conjuring 2 happened in real life and that was in 1970s so when did stephen king write the book because that would ultimately determine who's kind of copying who. I'm sure there 19, were some rules. You ready for this? Whoa. Drum roll. <laughs> 1986. 1986. You don't say. Interesting. Well, look at the, the, the Hodgson case deal. What, what, what was the date off of that? Just in case. <laughs> Just in case I'm not wrong. Um... Because I would like to think that Stephen King is using his own material and they just happen to use some of the same information. I don't know how to spell Hodgson. Both poltergeist. Ah, yes. In Enfield, London, England, between 1977 and 1979. Mm. And it was definitely both sisters that were possessed. Or that were being used, I guess. That is right. Which we didn't mention, but but they really didn't focus on... They focused on just one. Which is very surprising, because I thought that, you know, if they wanted to break the horror rule barriers, maybe try that whole challenge of dealing with two possessed beings mm -hmm. instead of one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't personally know if that has been done, but since the movie was based on a true story, why not go along with it, right? Yeah. You know, so, okay, so. That actress is actually um, American. Uh, Janet? Yeah, the, the actress who played Janet. No way. What's her name? Whatever your name is, you need to do more movies. <laughs> I think you're a great actress. Oh, yeah, she did great in The Conjuring, too. She yeah. really did. Those were very interesting parallels that you mentioned between Conjuring 2 and It, because yeah. Stuttering Bill was the only thing I ever noticed, and I thought, oh. His name was Bill. It, like, it what a coincidence, matter. yeah. Right, yeah. But that is a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. So, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hope you got a kick out of it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Convos Room. Yes, please. And also, if you have any scary movie requests, you can go ahead and put it on our Convos Room page, and we will try to satisfy that request yeah so this is it for the night thank you for joining us on cutting room convos i'm yasmin i'm jenny and i'll be right back cutting room convos was recorded at our home studio all opinions are our own and we do not represent any companies mentioned this episode was about the 2016 film the conjuring 2 directed by james wan don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Convos Room. Hope you enjoyed.
Are you still listening for bloopers? Okay, here you go. Test, test. This is a test. Cinnamon buns. Billy's buns. Cute buns. Wink. The Beatles. <laughs> I'm sounding British. I'll so, cut this out because I feel like I'm offending the Brits. I'm sorry. No, it, it's okay. <laughs> Tea parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> which nice. sucks, but like, 